You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's a prospect edition of the show today as we are joined by Lindsey Crosby from the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Lindsey, good to talk to you today. We're going to be uh, chatting a little bit about the uh, prospects that are going on in the Cardinals farm system. You know, the minor league seasons are coming to an end, and we thought we'd finally get an expert on the case because, you know, I'm paying attention mostly to what's going on on the professional team, but we like to get a segment in each week where we talk about the farm system, but you are somebody that pays attention exclusively to what's going down in the organization. So uh, I appreciate you taking some time out and joining us here today, bro. Absolutely. I think I've seen more of Jordan Walker's home runs than I have Albert Pujols' home runs. <laughs> it's just that's because it. that's where I spend all my time. Yeah, and that's saying so. And that's obviously a huge name that we want to talk about here in today's episode. For those of you who are unfamiliar, I'm J.D. Haffern, and I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou and a lifetime Cardinals fan. And I'm your host for Locked on Cardinals, which is part of the Locked on Podcast Network, covering your team every day. We want to thank those of you who make Locked on Cardinals and Locked on MLB Prospects your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're on YouTube as well, obviously. So uh, let's jump into this, Lindsay. Uh, we'll start with what we call the crown jewel of the St. Louis Cardinals farm system and organization. One, Jordan Walker, which uh, I guess we could say now infielder, outfielder, Jordan Walker, since he finally got to play some of that. Uh, selected 21st overall back in the 2020 draft. He was the Georgia Gatorade Player of the Year had committed to play at Duke, and the Cardinals called him and said, hey, we want to draft you, and uh, we're going to give you $2.9 million. So would you like to come play ball with us? And he said yes. And since that time, things have gone pretty darn well for Mr. Walker, haven't they? They they have been good enough where I would call him the Cardinals minor league player of the year. This year. Mm-hmm. Um, has has spent the entire season in play Springfield. And Springfield's that level, double-A, you know, uh, in general, but Springfield specifically, as in that is the biggest jump a prospect's going to face. You've weeded out most of the pitchers who aren't going to make it as professionals. Uh, The competition level is significantly higher, and he has absolutely raked. 306, 388, 510 batting average, uh, put up 19 home runs. And I know we talk about the power and the slugging, and people think, well, 19 home runs isn't a lot. Um, 53 extra base hits in those 119 games. And so you can see the power slugging's high. Obviously all of that's coming in. Um, Also stole 22 bases, which isn't something that you see a lot of six, five, two twenty guys do a lot of. (laughs) And then what may end up being one of the more impactful moves at the trade deadline actually is when Jordan Walker officially bought his Juan Soto edition outfielders glove and started working (laughs) in the outfield. Um, that was, he was, so he's been working in the outfield. He, um, was one home run away from being the first ever 2020 player for Springfield. Missed it by that much, but only player in double a in the league there that, uh, that scored all hundred runs. He finished top five in slugging and third most in doubles. Like the powers there, it's just not manifesting as home runs yet. And part of that is because of Springfield and what that ballpark does to offense. 
Okay. Is it is it a bigger ballpark? Is it is it meant geared more towards the pitchers than it is hitters? It it, it does favor the pitchers. It's not extreme. It's nothing like like Double A Mississippi for, for the Braves, but it is. It does favor the the pitchers both dimensions and the way the ball carries. Uh, so nineteen home runs in Springfield, I'd probably would equate to twenty five or so home runs in a in a different ballpark. There's a reason that this farm system has never had a 2020 player in Springfield. I mean, there's, it's just, it's hard to hit home runs there. So uh, don't, don't worry about that. Look at the fact that the doubles were there, the slugging is there. And then he's been working in the corners and has settled pr- pretty well so far. Uh, I, I've obviously coming up as a third baseman was where he originally started. So you would think he would have the arm capable of playing one of those corner outfield spots. Yeah, he has an arm that plays in right field. Um, okay. Now, the, the, the question is going to be whether or not they put him at left or right. His speed, I would call his speed uh, average to maybe a tick below average. The stolen base numbers are, are partly a product of, of the intelligence, getting the jumps on the pitcher, things like that. And so when you're moving to the outfield, the question, the, the thing that we always look for to evaluate prospects Um, it's the three R's is what we call it. Reads, routes, and reactions. You want to see how well can he see the ball off the bat? How quickly can he start to track it? And how efficiently does he track it to get to it? Uh, That's ultimately going to decide whether or not he's going to be in left field or in right field. If the reads, routes, and reactions come in well enough, he'll be at right. Uh, If not, they'll stick him in left. But from everything that I've seen, he seems to be acclimating pretty well to to right field to the outfield and so having watched some film of him from September playing the outfield I think you may see him in St. Louis by the second half of next year which feels odd to say about a 20 year old but right I think there's a very real possibility yeah his bat has been good enough where he's uh shown that he might have the maturity to make a jump like that from triple a to the majors next year at some point which is something Mm -hmm. that i know a lot of fans have been looking forward to uh at one point at the beginning of this season for the cardinals it was the outfield that was so crowded and Mm -hmm. then you had the trade of harrison bader you've had uh, a a name alec burleson who came up from triple a this year here at the end of the year has struggled a little bit but uh when your bat's as good as Jordan Walker's is, they're going to find a place for you on that mm-hmm. lineup if you deserve it. Now, I do want to ask you this, too. We mentioned that he played third base at one point. Is there Has there ever been any talk or any interest of maybe having him still play maybe some first base with his size being of what he is at 6'5 to maybe give Goldie a day off? I mean, you've seen how they've utilized Albert Pujols this year. He'll be gone next year. They could use another right-handed DH and maybe uh, somebody who could play some first base as well. Do you think that might be something that could also get him up to the major league level quicker. Yeah, that's something where it's going to help him as far as roster flexibility to stick, the fact that he can play first as well. Um, it's it's First base isn't that dominion of a position, and so most professional outfielders, if you give them enough reps, they're going to be passable there. But Walker, from what I've seen, has looked pretty decent at first. Uh, I think he's only played, I want to say, he, this year, he hasn't played it in a game, but they've done pregame warmups. They've done practice mm-hmm. over there. They've done, he did some in spring training. I think he would be perfectly fine to it. Most third basemen can play first. Right. Um, and so gives that, that gives flexibility for, for 
DH, obviously, first base, third base, as well as outfield. And when you have a roster full of, one, a ton of outfielders who seems like they're, they always kind of get nicked up here and there, uh, Dylan Carlson, a Newt Barr, things like that, mm-hmm. as well as you have guys who are trying to get time in the outfield like a Juan Yep is, I think that having that flexibility is going to be very useful. And they're going to continue to let him play at first base some or give him practice reps at first base as like an emergency option. He absolutely could do it in a game, I feel. Now, and you mentioned uh, 19 home runs this year, just the age of 20. Uh, he's still growing into that body of his. I mean, let's remember, it was just two years ago he was a high school kid, you know? Uh, so I, I would imagine and Bush Stadium being what it is in St. Louis is also more geared towards the pitchers. So we're not expecting crazy 40, you know, 40, 50, 60 home run power out of him anytime soon, are we? No, I don't think it's going to be um... – It's not going to be like incredibly quickly that we're seeing that. And and part of the reason why we're going to wonder about where the power is going to end up and where it's going to be, we know it's there, but where it's going to end up is, and it's something that we say on this show a lot, your power tool is only as good as your hit tool. And so, and we've seen, and I know there's probably some people who are worried about it, um, 116 strikeouts this season for Jordan Walker. Now, before people freak out about it, I will point out, that's 119 games. And so typically if you can get uh, if you can get the, stri- the strikeout rate to a, you know no more than once a game, for the most part you're going to be okay. That does that does translate. Once you get above once a game is where it starts to worry you a little bit. And to go along with that, did have 58 walks. So has plate discipline. What I need to figure out and I just haven't seen enough film to know this is is that uh, something where he's he's getting fooled by by advanced spin that he's facing in double A, or is that something where he can't catch up to velocity? Uh, I, from what I've seen, I'm inclined to think that's more of a poor swing decision, uh, but I just don't know for a fact. I do think it's something that it's not worrying to me yet. You know, mm-hmm. just under once per game isn't the end of the world. A lot of big league sluggers do that, and that is something you see in the power profile. But it's definitely going to be something to watch as he moves up to AAA next year. All right. Uh, well, everything sounds good. Everybody's excited about Jordan Walker and his future. Uh, I always tend to tell Cardinals fans who are like, why isn't he brought up already? Just have a little patience with these guys. I mean, again, 20 years old. 20 years old. <laughs> so we don't, we don't want to push him too far. Plus, we've got plenty of capable guys at the major league level, so there's no need to rush him just yet. We're not in a mm-hmm. situation in St. Louis where – uh, you're trying to find people to fill certain holes. I mean, you've got a lineup now that has had a tough time finding a place for Nolan Gorman, who was just your number one prospect uh, before he got called up and Jordan Walker took over that role. So a uh, little patience, little patience, Cardinals fans. <laughs> uh, we want to talk before we get into, we're going to speak about more hitters, uh, guys like, like Mason Wynn, who's another one of the top prospects. I know a lot of Cardinal fans have uh, been aching for a shortstop at some point. It seems like they got a pretty good one uh, who was also a double A this year. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into the pitchers. We'll talk about Matthew Libertor and some other guys. So we've got all of that coming your way here in just a few moments as we do our crossover episode with Lindsey Crosby from Locked On MLB Prospects. But first, let's talk a little bit about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. You can find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online it remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. They've got the fastest and easiest way 
to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, even golf. Now, I'm one of those guys who enjoys watching all the football games, Lindsay, because of uh, the, the fantasy uh, implications. <laughs> I'm in way too many leagues. I don't know if you get into the fantasy football that much or not, but it keeps my head on a swivel because I'm trying to watch all the games. I don't know if you go through that or not. Do you? I uh, I play fantasy football. I don't like fantasy football. It feels like it's too <laughs> it's too contingent on who's going to score and who's injured and yeah. who's healthy. But but I do play fantasy football and bet online has been super valuable as far as knowing who's expected to win this game, who's going to do better or worse, and how many points are going to be scored so I can try to set my lineups correctly. Yeah, well, we've got a, a pretty good one coming up on Thursday night. At least it should be on paper. It says it will be with uh, uh, the AFC East leading Miami Dolphins, surprising some people at 3-0 and after beating the Bills on Sunday. Uh, they're going to be facing the reigning AFC champion Bengals, who are 1-2 and two after bouncing back this weekend against the Jets. So it uh, should be a good one on Thursday night. And one of the ways to make a, a game like that more interesting, if you don't root for one of those teams or you don't have fantasy players in there is to you know put a wager on there have a little fun with it just head to betonline.net or you can use your mobile device to learn more play some bets on your favorite team or teams and have some fun uh thursday night and throughout the entire nfl season bet online where the game starts once again, we're joined by Lindsey Crosby, who is uh, the host of Locked On MLB Prospects. And we're, we're having a, a prospect show here with the minor league seasons coming to an end. Uh, playoffs are starting for the major league teams. And we've had a few of the guys that uh, were, were down in the minors this year who have been called up due to injuries. We talked about that in the first segment. Uh, so we're going to talk about some of these hitters that the uh, team has had to rely on uh, not only this year, but ones that are going to be coming up in the future. The first guy I want to talk about is uh, shortstop Mason Wynn. Now, this is a guy, it's been a bit of a hole at the shortstop position. They thought they had something in Paul DeYoung, and his career has just fallen off a cliff over the last couple of seasons. So everybody's been asking, who's going to be the shortstop of the future for the Cardinals? Mason Wynn is uh, somebody who's gone to two levels this year and has been pretty darn successful at both of them. Yeah, and and Mason went drafted originally as a two-way player out of high school, uh, announced as a shortstop and a right-hand pitching prospect, has switched to shortstop full-time. And the, the the pitching was always kind of a hedge in case the the contact ability and the hitting didn't come in. Well, uh, Peoria, high Peoria this year, 349, 404, 566, just over 30 games. They said, okay, He's definitely ready. Moved him on to double A. Still made the Futures game. Uh, we actually saw the the infamous 100-mile-an-hour throw to first base. <laughs> Hand yes, uh, over there. Got Justin Turner very <laughs> mad and upset. Uh, you know, but just because he can't do it. But it's something where Mason Wynn answered a lot of questions this year. We had questions about the contact ability. Would he hit enough to even stay in the field? never mind be an everyday regular. We had questions about how was the power going to come in? We had questions about what was he going to do against elite levels of spin? Was he going to chase? And those are all things that he significantly improved on. Strike zone discipline got uh, got better this year. He struck out more than once a game last year, and granted, at age 19, but uh, comes in this year, strikes out less than once a game. It's It's still close, but less than once a game. Uh, hit hit 12 home runs, including 11 in Springfield, which, again, not an easy thing to do. 37, uh, 37 extra base hits and 28 to 33 on stolen bases. So uh, we're seeing that speed. He's had fantastic speed. We see that. 
We're seeing the field in the arm, obviously, is fantastic. Uh, I still don't necessarily know if the power production is ever going to be um, something significant. But at the same time, when you're playing in the middle infield, the defense is more of the premium than mm-hmm. the power and the contact. I think it'll hit enough to be a big league regular. Never going to win a home run derby for you. But uh, from everything that we've seen, Mason Wynn looks like he's the real deal. And the big thing here is he doesn't look like he like he's ever struggling at the plate. Even in the games he has where he strikes out two or three times. Never looks like he's completely confused or or blown away by what happened. He understands what they were doing. He just didn't hit it. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things that doesn't really show up on a stat sheet. But when you watch a guy develop and you remember he's 20 years old and his first taste of double A, uh, seeing a guy have a reaction like that, it's like, okay, that's what they did. I'm going to come back and I'm going to fix it. Next time I'm not going to attack that that slider down and away on 2-2. Uh, that makes you feel good about projecting a, a prospect out into the future. Yeah, one of the things that I enjoyed about him, first, I was taken back by the amount of power that he did have at double A this year. I I didn't see that coming at all. But I think the speed aspect is something that Cardinal fans have grown accustomed to, uh, you know, obviously in the 80s, they had they had all that speed. And then uh, most recently, when you had guys like Tyler O'Neill, Tommy Edmond, uh, Harrison Bader, you had all these guys just just flying around the bases and wins got. Really good speed. Now, would you call it elite level speed where he's going to be somebody like a Tommy Edmond who's going to steal between 25 and 30 bags at the major league level someday? If I had to put a number on it, I'd probably give it a 70 grade. So we're looking at at plus plus, okay. but maybe not an 80 grade, which is as fast as as possible. I mean, you, you have one or two 80 grades uh, in baseball at any given time for each tool. I will say his arm is an 80 grade. I yes. do think he has probably the strongest infield arm, arm one of the strongest I've, I've ever seen. Uh, Speed-wise, plus plus speed. I'd put him up there near where uh, you know near where some of those guys are, but wouldn't necessarily call it elite. But double plus is still nothing to sneeze at. Still two standard deviations better than average. All right. Well, uh, if you had to put a time frame, if he were to continue the way he did this year. Mason Wynn, do you think he's up at the major league level in two years, three years? What, what, what would be, you know, just a guesstimation in your opinion? I could see providing, you know, health works out for everybody involved, both guys at, at the big league level and him. I could see him as somebody who got a late season call up next year and then okay. competes for the job out of spring training in 24. That's kind of the ideal timeline for me. I like seeing the teams that have brought a prospect up late in the year for three weeks or for a month of a taste to kind of see gauge if the guy's ready for the level or not. That's where I see a Mason win as provided the offensive gains that he, we saw this year stick in AAA next year. You're looking at him um, called up late in the year. If you need depth on the bench or injury, and if not competing for the job in 24 out of spring training. Okay. Uh, two names that I want to bring up here to you because they've got kind of a, a similar style, if you will, at the plate. Uh, one of them was a, a prospect that we kind of heard about in Joshua Baez, uh, a lot mm-hmm. of power, right-hander. And then out of nowhere this year, Moises Gomez kind of took the minor league system by storm and has been the most recent talk of the minor leagues for the Cardinals because of the home runs that he's hit, set a record this year already for the most home runs at the minor league level for any Cardinals prospect. And he's somebody that they were able to get from Tampa Bay who – I guess gave up on him because all we saw was that he got cut and then the Cardinals were able to sign him before the season. 
And all he's done is hit since then. He does strike out a lot, and that's something that Baez does as well. But uh, what can you tell us about Moises Gomez and Joshua Baez? So Moises Gomez is – every system has those guys with massive amounts of power. But, again, your power tool is only as good as your hit tool. And what led Gomez to get released by Tampa Bay was in A Montgomery last year, 76 games, 171, 256, 309 slash line, eight home runs. Uh, high strikeout guy, yeah, but there's a trade-off that every team is willing to make. A guy who strikes out, you know, one-fourth of the time or more, they'll make a trade-off if the guy can has the potential to hit a ton of home runs. He struck out 115 times in 76 games last year, hit eight home runs. So obviously, you're not, you know, you're you're doing the bad thing. You're not giving them the good thing to counterbalance it. They went ahead and cut bait. Uh, I think that the Cardinals did a good job of identifying, okay, this is a guy that's legitimately talented. This is a guy that has some flaws in his swing and has some flaws with pitch recognition. And we can get him in the system. We can coach him a bit and raise the floor on what he can be as a hitter. And so that's what we see now behind Moises Gomez. And Joshua Baez right now is what Moises Gomez was in 2018, 2019. Like this is the same type of player. The the high strikeout, high power, uh, very, very extreme projection of a player. Joshua Baez is either going to hit 35 home runs or he's going to strike out enough where he gets cut in double A. Exactly what Moises Gomez did. Uh, I, there's always one or two of these guys that work out. Uh, I like what Gomez has done. I still think the strikeouts are kind of high. He got at 57 games in AAA this year after he tore it up in Springfield. 267, 339, 539 with 80 strikeouts in 57 games. So strikeouts are still a little high, yeah. but he's making enough contact where the power is showing up. And so... I think there's a trade-off that you can still make there and a little more refinement to that, and it may get to the point where it's actually uh, useful in games and you can see him get a chance at the big league level. All right, and uh, you may, talking about Joshua Baez, uh, some people who may not be familiar, he started the season with uh, an injury, which is why he didn't play as much, but he's at uh, A-ball, and uh, from everything I saw, he's got the tools a lot of good velo coming off the bat. Uh, like, mm -hmm. I mean, when he hits it, he hits that sucker hard. And so uh, he's somebody that I just want Cardinal fans to keep an eye on because he, he's got some skills that might be useful down the road. Now, as far as the Moises Gomez thing goes, uh, they have to add him, I believe, to the 40-man roster within five days after the World Series or else he gets to be a free agent again. Uh I, the last thing I had read is uh, president of baseball operations, John Mozalak was like, we got to figure something out because somebody yeah. who hits almost 40 home runs <laughs> in the minor leagues, you usually got to find a spot on the roster for him. Uh, but that decision is something that'll be made after the world series is concluded. So just uh, a little, a little update on what's going on with Gomez. It's not somebody that uh, you plan on seeing uh, up on the team at this point of the season, uh, but uh, maybe something in spring training to keep an eye on. Right. Yeah, he was unprotected 19 and 20, didn't get picked either time. Uh, definitely would get picked if unprotected this time. And sure, so somebody sure. you have to add to the roster. And then real quick to go back for a second on Baez, the thing I want to tell people to keep in mind too, he's been he's played a lot of center field, expect him to move to a corner, but he's going to move to right. He's got a fantastic arm. I'd give it a 70 grade. 
when he was a pitcher in high school, because most players, most good players pitched in high school, right. he hit 98 from the mound. And so provided that his contact ability gets there, gets anywhere in the vicinity of average for his hit tool, he's going to be one of those slugging, you know, 30 plus home run right fielders with a cannon out there. The only question is, as he matures, is he going to hit enough or not? And that's the thing to watch out for next year. Like you said, he's going to be, he'll he'll start back over in low A because of the injury that he only got 32 Mm -hmm. games this year. He'll start back in low A next year. And ideally you'd see him in high A by the all-star break. Yeah, and again, he's 19 years old. So we're not talking about guys who are 24, 25 that it's one of those where either go now or get off the pot type of situations. You know, uh, Gomez a little bit older at 24, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, But still, obviously, we just mentioned we're going to you're going to have to make a decision on him coming up here uh, when the offseason begins. All right. Well, we know we have some decent hitters in the organization. I would like to talk about the pitching prospects for the Cardinals next. Uh, the ones that stand out to me off the top of my head, obviously, Matthew Libertor is, is a big name that uh, the Cardinals were able to acquire in a trade that people are still like, what are we doing? We They lost Randy Arozarena in that particular deal, and they see how good he's been at the major league level. He sets records when he goes into the playoffs, and then this year he had another fantastic season, and they're wondering – when is Matthew Libertor going to show up and stay on the major league roster? Because he came up a couple of times this year. Sometimes look good. Sometimes look bad. What's going on with this left-handed prospect for the Cardinals? So very good change up, very good curveball. And the thing here is when he has control of both of them, that's the thing that when he gets lethal and I noticed the trend seemed to be he was better earlier in the year. He struggled July and August and September. I don't know if that's a conditioning thing. I don't know if that's if that's fatigue. I don't know if that's you know what that might be. But when he's controlling both of those pitches, I mean, I I'd say that's the best changeup in the system, and that's one of the better curveballs in the system. I like them both. Uh, the fastball, the velocity changes a lot and I think that's a little bit odd sometimes it's 92 93 sometimes it's 95 96 Uh, so that has a great discrepancy as to the outcomes as well Uh, he's a very intelligent picture I I like the way he he mixes his pitches I like the way that he uh, sequences a batter and attacks a batter and I can tell that he's he's a guy who's picked the brains of Molina there in the clubhouse and been like, okay, what would you do here? Or why did you call this? Or, you know, trying to understand what he's doing. I like all of that. Mm. I think it's just the consistency with some of the pitches, but specifically the fastball velocity uh, is, is going to be where he ultimately settles. Is he going to be a a number three starter? Um, If that velocity ticks down and stays lower, is he going to be a number four, number five? Um, Cause again, like all the secondaries, like the curveball, like the change, even like the slider, uh, it's just a matter of they, you have to have them all at the same time or you've got to figure out that fastball velocity. Now, is uh, Libertor, what, what style pitcher is he? Because we've seen the defense for the Cardinals 
Arenado, Goldschmidt, Edmund. You got gold glovers all over the place. And so you've seen the success of guys like Jose Quintana and Jordan Montgomery since they came mm-hmm. over in the trade deadline because they're ground ball pitchers. They're, they're, they don't put the ball in the air all that much, which led to a lot of their success since they've been traded. Is that something that Libertor is, or is that not his style and he gives up more fly balls than he does grounders? His goal is to give up ground balls. It just doesn't always, <laughs> it just doesn't always happen. When the curveball is not breaking like it should, you know, it, it, it stays a little higher and guys are able to get underneath it. Sure. Uh, he, he, he's not a strikeout pitcher. And the goal for him, honestly, he's the kind of guy that I'd like to see him switch from a four-seamer to a two-seamer. Because I think that if he were to lean into the, I'm not going to worry about striking guys out. I'm just going to pitch let them put the ball into play. It's going to be on the ground. We've got vacuums on defense at yeah. both corners. You know, we'll have a great shortstop up here in a couple of years in Mason Wynn. Uh, I want to see him make that change so that he can be a little more effective uh, at the big league level. That's the issue is just leaving things up, leaving things, uh, you know, inside or a pitch not breaking correctly and a guy's able to take off with it. So, uh, ideally, that's a little mechanical tweak. Maybe they've tried that with him. I don't know. I don't have any sort of inside information on that. But I think mm-hmm. that he's the kind of guy that would benefit from something like that. Well, he's the uh, top left-handed pitching prospect in the system. Uh, the top right-handed pitching prospect, uh, a guy that we've talked a little bit about through the year, Gordon Graceffo is the uh, the right-hander who was also – we keep talking about Double uh, A Springfield – that loaded team they had down there. How did these guys ever lose a game? They're all down at double A uh, doing fantastic things. But uh, he had another good season. And uh, he's a guy that just got into the system. They just drafted him in the fifth round uh, in 2021. He was a college pitcher. And uh, he showed some uh, some serious, serious repertoire uh, pitching at double A Springfield this year. In fact, uh, this last week of the season, he was the pitcher of the week at that level. Yeah, came out of Villanova and fastball was professional level already. I mean, he can touch 98 with it, uh, six, six, four, 220. I think he's got a little bit of work you can still do as far as adding a little bit of healthy size and maybe a little bit of extra velo, but he can throw the fastball at both sides of the plate. Always something that helps when it comes to the handedness and things like that. And then has a changeup that is somewhere between average and plus, depending on the day. Uh, I do like that it disguises really well as far as arm speed and as far as release point off the fastball. So they play well off of each other. Uh, sliders above average. Curveball is uh, more of a two-plane curveball than a 12-6. to six. And I think he might be better served to have a 12-6 to six curveball just to kind of give it a little bit of a different, a different look, different stylistic look, but uh, can throw strikes can get ahead of batters early. I think that's been one of the big keys to him being so successful is uh, just getting out in front of guys. But another one of those isn't there to strike out a ton of guys. He's just there to get you out. Doesn't care how he does it. I think he only had 83 strikeouts in 93 innings this year. So just under one, you know, one per inning, but doesn't walk a lot of guys. And so looks to be like a, a number four, number five simply because you don't have any sort of exemplary out pitch. You just have a bunch of above average good pitches. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, good to hear at least. Uh, now, is he, is he somebody that you see continuing as a starting pitcher, or is that somebody that may turn into uh, a good right-handed bullpen arm at some point if he's only going to be like a four or a five in your rotation? Something where I would let him continue as a 
a starter. The only reason that I would put him as a four or five versus something something higher is because none of those pitches have improved to the point to be a go-to for sure out pitch. But when you have, you know, three or four above average pitches, it's hard to say, hey, let's make this guy into a reliever come out of the bullpen when he can go multiple innings and he can get it done and he has the results for it. He just doesn't mm-hmm. have the traditional tools that a number three might have. Uh, I think if he added, if that fastball started touching 100 instead of 97, 98, if the, the, if the slider became maybe a, a plus instead of above average or the curveball shape, shape changed some and it became an out pitch, you're looking at a guy who's probably right there now in number three because the control is really good. Uh, so yeah. it's, 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 it's a game of inches there. Okay. Uh, Gordon, by the way, 22 years old. Uh, again, we mentioned he just came out of college. So uh, again, a uh, young guy just getting his, uh, getting his start in the minor league system. So uh, somebody that, you know, we would imagine make it up in a couple of years from now, nobody that we're, ex- you know, expecting to be up on a roster next year. Now there is a name that, I know he started in the minor leagues at a ball. He's a starter, but he's going going short innings because he's young as well. And boy, did he have a good season in his first year in the minor leagues. And that is Tink Hentz, who uh, just recently got drafted. Uh, and gosh, he's he's been something special. And tell us all of the goodness about Tink Hentz because his numbers pop off the page when you look at those stats. He's one of the fastest risers in this system. And I was really hoping we were going to get a chance to talk about him today. Uh Probably had him in, in somewhere in the back half of the top 15 to start the year. I'd have him as probably the you know number three or number four in the system as of right now. So fastballs 95 to 96 does really well when he elevates the fastball. That's something we've seen a lot in baseball is, is the elevated fastball. When he brings it up top of the zone, gets a lot of swing and miss off of it. Uh, the slider and curveball have distinct movement off of them, which not everybody's slider and curveball separate like that both of them I feel like are, are plus pitches he can locate both of them uh, slider specifically is a weapon he can put on either corner he can throw it to either side of the plate curveball something that he gets a lot of um, a lot of guys are just fooled on it they 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 look at it thinking it's going to be a ball and it lands for a strike or they just don't even swing at it so useful thing there uh, fourth pitch change up. It's probably average. It's got a little little potential to get better there, but I think what he needs to work on, and you mentioned kind of one of the big things with some shorter outings, is needs to work on consistency of the delivery and just overall stamina and working deeper in the game. Somebody who this is his first you know full season. He had eight games in rookie ball last year. This is his first full season, so they want to take it easy on him. He only yeah. threw fifty two innings, but a guy that's got tools got has weapons on all three you know all three of those pitches there and if he can be a little more consistent and then just carry that deeper into games i think you're looking at a guy compared to a lot of supplemental second round picks i really like what i see and i really think he can be i mean sky's a limit if he can actually harness those three pitches and run it for five or six innings every five or six days um Man. High school pitcher, so ton of risk here. That's the, one of the riskiest profiles. But if it works out, you're looking at a, I mean, a number two, number three, re- relatively easily because he's already hit 96 at six one one seventy five. Right. 
<laughs> well, we look for uh, some big things out of Team Kins hopefully one day. Uh, again, another one of these young Cardinals players that just recently they've drafted so well where you're seeing these guys are all 20, 21, 22 years old making big impacts in the organization, and that's why they're up in the top 10 of their prospects, according to the uh, MLB pipeline. So uh, appreciate you stopping in here today, Lindsay, and giving us some insight on all of these uh, wonderful prospects that hopefully we'll see one day in the Cardinals uniform. None of them got traded for uh, Soto this year, which uh, a lot of people at first were upset about, but I think in the long run it's going to be a good thing that you kept all of these guys because – you got to build a team. It doesn't have, it doesn't all come down to one guy. Cause you see how Soto's doing in San Diego right now. And uh, he's not carrying that offense. And uh, I don't think the Cardinals are anywhere near where they are. If they traded a, p- a bunch of outfielders and a bunch of these top prospects just to get one guy. So I was one of them that was, was glad that they bowed out of the Soto sweepstakes uh, at the trade deadline this year. But uh, thank you very much for stopping in here today. Once again, we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Cardinals and Locked On MLB Prospects your first listen today. Now make your second listen, the Locked On MLB Podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Lindsay, where can the guys and gals find you if they want to uh, ask you any more questions about what's going on with these Cardinals prospects or any prospects in Major League Baseball? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can email us, LockedOnMovieProspects at gmail.com. Every single Monday is a mailbag episode solely from questions from the listeners. Whether you find us on YouTube, email, Twitter, send those in. I will get you in the next show. All right. Lindsey Crosby, everybody, thank you so much for being a part of our uh, podcast here today. You guys are the best fans in baseball for a reason. We'll see you next time right here on Locked on Cardinals.